1: Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Today we have an old guest joining us back, uh, Chris Paris from uh, Oxbridge uh, Resources. Chris is, for one, just an absolutely fantastic consultant, one of the few no-nonsense consultants out there. And he also is a little bit of a, I guess you might call a watchdog of the industry, but we can let him uh, kind of fill us in a little bit more on his unofficial uh, role that really does a lot to help our quality and compliance uh, management type industries. So with that, let's welcome Chris Paris to the podcast. Howdy, Chris. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. So for folks that might not have uh, heard you on the podcast, because it's been, gosh, what, two years since we had John here? Yeah, maybe. So um, tell us a little bit kind of in your own words about yourself, the work you do, and, uh, you know, really what kind of drives and motivates you to do it.
0: Well, yeah, Oxbridge is a uh, ISO and AS9100 consulting company. Started it back in 2000 or so. Um, And at some point we evolved into a – sort of de facto industry watchdog. Yep. Uh, not sure how that happened, but we just started filing complaints and then that turned into like a side career. So we sort of keep <laughs> an eye on the certification bodies, the accreditation bodies, et cetera. Um, and all of that's pro bono work uh, aside from the, the normal uh, consulting work. But not at this for a long time. My clients include uh, companies like SpaceX. Uh, everybody knows them. Yep. But uh, north of Grumman and NASA and a few others, but a lot of small companies, most overwhelmingly small companies. Yep. Um, very similar to what uh, Texas QA does. But please go back and tell uh, tell everybody more great things about me. You were doing such a good job <laughs> in the intro.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, though, we, we really do need folks uh, like you that are out there that are willing and able to, uh, to kind of go to bat because it, uh, it's un, uh, not, it's disappointing, but it's, I guess, not surprising that uh, the industry of standards and compliance is really not unlike a lot of other industries that folks get in and try to find a way that they can scheme and and game the system. And it's, it's good. We got folks that are out there that are uh, willing and able to fight it. And uh, I know you take a lot of heat for it. Sometimes you give a little bit back too. So. (laughs) Yeah, I do. But the
0: standard tells us these ISO standards and AS standards tell us that we need to analyze defects so that we can improve. And so all I'm doing is throwing that back at ISO in the body saying, hey, you got defects. Let's approve those. I like it. Uh, they don't like to hear that, though. So.
1: <clears throat> no, no, not uh, not quite so much. You know, I don't have much experience in, in here, but I've, I've been on the uh, TC176 committee. I finally uh, bowed out here recently. I probably need to go update my LinkedIn bio to show that. Um, but, uh, you know, what we want to talk about today is the potential for a new update to ISO 9001 coming out. And that means there's likely going to be a 10-year gap between the the current new uh, revision to, uh, to the newest one. So the little bit I saw on it was a, a big article talking about uh, changes to the continual improvement process. And it just made me sick, some of the suggestions that they were recommending. But I know you've got a lot more uh, up-to-date information there. So kind of tell us a little bit about what folks might be expecting and how soon to expect it.
0: Well, all signs indicate now that ISO is going to be publishing an early revision uh, of ISO nine thousand one probably two thousand twenty five so that's only a couple of years from now. Yeah, um, and how they went about doing that is is not particularly ethical or uh, or great. Um, and it depends on whether you think that the standard needs to be revised or not. Um, I'm mixed on the view. Um, I think that iso nine thousand and one two thousand and fifteen is flawed and it needs to be fixed, but at the same time, the people involved in, in fixing it are the ones who made the problem to begin with. They're, they're yep. not likely to correct these problems. But yep. And what they're doing to force this early revision is so unethical and, and in violation of ISO's own procedures, it, it just creates a lot of concern. Essentially, what happened was is every five years, ISO ha, has a rule that every five years they're going to do an assessment on their standards to see if technology has advanced, mm-hmm. uh, which would require a standard to be updated. And that's and good that was the technical standard. For other argument. standards like ISO 9001, it's a little silly, but that's okay. Yeah. That's well, the they did their five-year review before. on the 2015 version in uh, 2020, and the, the results came out in late. They were late in 2021. Um, and the world overwhelmingly voted no, leave the standard yeah. alone. Well, ISO is a publishing company,
1: uh, <laughs> and they only
0: make money if they publish books. Right. They don't make money if, if they don't publish books. Right? right. So they didn't like this result. Now they had previously done this with the 2008, Mm -hmm. 1000, they they voted, the world voted and said, no, don't update it. And ISO released a version anyway, called ISO 9001, 2008. Yeah. They called it an amendment. There were no changes. They just changed the date on the cover Hmm. and it, it generated a lot of money because people were forced to buy a copy of this standard or they were going to lose their certification. Yep. Well, ISO is doing the same thing again this time, but this time it's, it's a little bit worse. So they, they held this first vote. World voted by a slim majority to say, do not uh, update it. I sort didn't like the result. So they came back and they said, well, we really want to take a second crack at that. Are you sure? So they issued a second round of voting.
1: <laughs> and they sort of asked people,
0: are you sure that you don't want it? And explain yourself. If you voted no, explain yourself. And there was this sort of subtle mafia style thing like, you know, you need to you need to come on board and change your vote, right? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the second round of votes wound up with a bunch of people like, posting a bunch of angry stuff. It was really yeah. kind of unprofessional and angry, but they were really adamant about, no, don't don't update the standard. Yeah, ISA wasn't happy about that. So then they did a user survey and the users uh, of the standard overwhelmingly voted, don't update the standard either. At the end that of the day, there of five different votes um, and they all voted not to update it.
1: So ISA of course we're gonna to update it, it, it anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, which is really Probably logical, really yeah. And what they're relying on is this really obscure sentence in a procedure somewhere that says that um, in between the five-year votes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? If technology has changed, they could they could do an early revision anyway. But yeah. in between five usually means two point five years, right? ISIS interpreting that to mean five minutes after the world voted no. <laughs> so they're saying we're we we have our procedures. We're following our procedures. We're doing yeah. an early revision. We're just doing it earlier than people liked. Well, people voted no, and then five minutes later they said we're doing an early revision anyway. So so they're yeah. ignoring the world's votes, which is yep. uh, against World Trade Organization regulations. They're not allowed to do that. It's against their own procedures, but you know who's who's gonna hold them accountable? Yep. So well, um this new standard is 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 already and, and the thing is what we found out is that I've uncovered internal documents from TC 176 that showed they were working on this a year ago. Mm-hmm. They've already been crafting the actual text of the mm-hmm. new standard already. Yep. Now, the ISO officials are saying, that's not true. We're not doing anything. We're waiting. And they're going to hold a sixth vote to find out it's not true. We have yeah. the actual internal documents. There's an Excel spreadsheets, got all the names and everybody involved in it. Um, and they've already started working on it. Yeah. And they're working very fast. So that's why I'm thinking that a 2025 edition is is likely to happen.
1: And that's kind of scary that they're trying to push it fast as well. <clears throat> is oh my gosh, the as we've seen with the 2015 edition of the standard. Don't get me wrong, 2008 might be a little too simple for for our modern age, but 2015 didn't necessarily fix those issues. It just kind of introduced a little ambiguity, which I think is good. I you know I know you. Uh, I think you and I might have a little bit of different opinion here, but I'm not actually opposed to the idea of documented information just because I'm an IT guy and I'm a database guy, right? So is a form in my software, does that count as a document or a record or a structure? Like, what is it? And so, okay, I kind of like the freedom we got there, but they just muddied the waters with damn near everything else. And I can only imagine what's about to happen.
0: Yeah. And, uh, what they did was they took out the requirement for documents and records and in some places they put in this phrase yeah. documented information, but in the bulk of other places, they put the word determine. So yeah. The organization will determine something. And
1: how do you prove you I determined it? I'm
0: not you to remember that this standard is designed for third party auditing. Right. Right. And so if I'm an auditor and I come in and I say, well, can you prove to me that you determine something? How does, how does the client prove that they determined yep. something? yep well i might show you a documented record but if i don't i don't have to because the standard didn't require me to do that yep. so determining proving something was determined or not becomes this psychological e- exercise that auditors are not trained for yep. so uh, you know my hope would be that they would go back to the days when they called out a specific thing whether they want to call it documented information or not i don't care but require something to be proven mm-hmm. but now we have over 50 percent of the clauses in the standard that don't actually require any evidence Yep, And so an ISO audit now becomes this kind of conversation. And just just yesterday, I had a client who was written up on a nonconformity by an auditor who said that there was a required document for this particular clause, and it just doesn't exist. It's not in there. Yeah, And, and so now he's in this bind where he has to fight the, fight the, the certification body and say it's yeah. not required and, and risk upsetting the auditor. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do that, but then he doesn't know what to write because the auditor just m- invented
1: it. We um, ran into something this week as well that's somewhat similar. Not on the document information side, but I guess everything ultimately falls in it. But is with corrective actions, and mm-hmm. you know, so the auditors getting real nitpicky about certain ways that the root cause was identified and separation of preventative actions versus immediate containment and correction. And we debated briefly: should we just go and fight the auditor, and you know, follow? Uh, uh, follow dispute on it we're totally completely within our rights to do this for our client but But then it's like we only got one finding out of the audit do we want to make a fuss over one finding or do we just want to take it and move on and that's what we decided but again if you look at the uh clause 10.2 it it says corrective act it's it's so well that's a whole other rabbit trail to go down it's so weirdly written I mean, we get our non-conformances from 8.7 and corrective actions from 10.2, but neither one of them uses the term corrective action report or non-conformance report. Neither one of them talks right. about containment or preventative, none of this stuff. But we're getting findings on it because the auditor, they don't have any, uh, I guess, a schema with which to interpret the standard.
0: Right. And a lot of this came because the newer standard, this 2015 version, the bulk of the text was not even written by quality management experts. It was written yep. by a bureaucratic entity. I've talked about this on your on your show previously. Yep. This TMB, the Technical Management Board. You don't know who they are. They're not elected. They're not delegates. They're not national uh, representatives. They're not subject to voting. Nobody knows who they are. Yep. They wrote the text and they handed it to TC176. And with this last version, <laughs> 2015, TC 176 just sat around for two years and they kind of said, oh somebody else wrote the document for us that's fine. So for two years they were selling seminars and webinars and writing books about this new standard that they didn't even write. Um, and then they didn't have the, the, the fortitude and the guts to basically go in and say oh, you know what what you wrote is wrong yeah because nobody there's no quality management expert that wrote this. Yeah, this this text was written for every possible standard, whether it's quality, environmental, occupational health and safety. It's written; it's just so generic. Yeah. And somebody needs to go in and fix that. Now, this new version that they're coming out with in twenty twenty five or so, um, it's really being forced because that text from ISO Geneva is being updated.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so, anytime they update it, you have to update the resulting standard. Yep. So ISO, so the world voted not to update ISO nine thousand one. And then they found they were stuck because well we have to because they updated the core text, so we have to update it. But again, gotcha. we don't know. We we have a, a we know a few people who wrote it, Um, but generally that's we a don't. Funny
1: way know, of sneaking that in, that in there, and you
0: got no choice yeah, now. And, and they're not quality management experts. They're <clears throat> yeah. just generic standards people who probably have not ever worked under a management system. Yeah, uh, of any sort. So
1: well, you know the one of why the. Why the text uh, is previews that i saw was was dealing with uh continual improvement they were looking at doing a big uh, uh revision on the continual improvement process and, and i voted no against this and i remember reading like the the text that they were passing around for review and i'm like why the heck are we talking about agile development for continual improvement like I'm a software guy i've, I've done a little bit of you know product and and uh, uh services design and whatnot Let me tell you, agile is the catch-all term for computer geeks who don't want to plan. That's what agile is. Well, we're just going to work on this in different phases and stages, and and it's this iterative feedback loop, and you spend 10 minutes saying, we're going to do whatever the hell we want and say it was agile, and we're going to use so much complicated language that you're just not going to argue with us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We we don't need to be putting that in there. This will be the
0: first time that you get more hate mail than I do. (laughs) <laughs> because the Agile folks are really, really Look, I'm not saying the Agile
1: methodology is, and I've, I've said the same thing with Lean Six Sigma. I have big beefs with the Lean Six Sigma industry. I am right. not saying that Lean is bad and that Six Sigma methodologies are bad. I'm saying if you're going to do it, you got to do it properly. And it's, it's not the right tool for every situation. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And these things become cults. And, yes. And lean Six Sigma is a cult, Black belts are oh, yes. a cult.
0: And agile is a cult. Yep. Um, and so but, but I think what's more likely to have happened in the ISO committee is that somebody heard this word. They don't really <laughs> know what it means, and they throw it around. And we see that in the 2015 version. They throw words in there like format and media,
1: uh-huh. and
0: these words that they just – I always joke that they're trying to sound hip with the kids. Um I don't know if they actually know what these things mean because I again, think the so overwhelming bulk of people <laughs> writing the standards have actually never worked in a quality management system, mm-hmm. which is stunning. They're all consultants. But yeah. They came from all different other departments and stuff, yep. uh, supply chain or this or that and the other thing. and But they never actually had to work. Whereas I I worked for 12 years under two different QMSs before I ever started working yep. under, uh, with Oxbridge. Um, and I think that that work experience is critical. You have to know, how to eat your own dog food, and these <laughs> folks don't. And there's no removing them; they are no. permanent fixtures.
1: So what is on the other
0: mastered, you know, welding human flesh to metal? They've just welded themselves to the seats. <laughs> you cannot remove them. um And I, you know, so it is what it is. So it's unlikely that this standard's going to get better. It's probably going to get worse. Of well, course, the other, of the other thing they're talking changes how are they going to put climate change into ISO oh, nine thousand? What does that have to do with it?
1: I, that was actually the point where I just said I'm bowing out when I saw that come through. That was when I, I read the last of the emails and notes on there because I'm like, there's zero chance I'm going to have a say in this, being the new guy amongst hundreds of these folks. Right. And when they started talking about climate change, I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, we we don't need to inject that everywhere. And regardless what you think about it or not it doesn't need to be injected in every aspect of society no in this the, is a quality management system yes. standard it has a
0: scope it has a narrow definition of what it's supposed to be defining. it's not yes. supposed to cure cancer no um, and but <laughs> this is just bored people who don't have a lot of work a lot of these consultants don't have a lot of clients they don't know what to do so they're just making work for themselves and they sit there and they type a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm and absolutely incompetent and it's it's just too bad that we just can't get good people on these committees and invite more companies rather than consultants yeah to to uh, represent the committee but this is this is what it is um and, and and so we're stuck so i i'm not happy that this standard is getting updated it needed to be fixed uh but uh the, the current I don't think people we who want are coming. Or just not going to do it
1: no no it's, uh, you know, and I guess uh, probably folks listening to this, I might be going, well, Kyle, Chris, like, aren't y'all going to have a chance to make a lot of money off this? And honestly, the truth is, yeah, when the standard updates, folks need help with the, the uh, transition, but I'd rather not have to make folks do that. Right. So I might
0: have to make, <laughs> I might have to make a new copy of this book right here.
1: Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I might have to write a new book. I don't really want to write a book.
0: I don't really want to write a new one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I I have other things I'd like to do. What book is that? That's Surviving ISO 9001 2015. Go on Amazon. You can get that. Um, And it it talks a a lot about the skullduggery behind the scenes of how this latest standard got written and uh, and then, of course, how to implement it.
1: Well, what are some I'm of the other fanatic, changes that so, you see coming with this new edition? Obviously, I've got big issues with the continual improvement side of things. The I don't know what they did or didn't do with climate change. But once I saw folks trying to interject that, I said, "Well, washing my hands, I'm out." Um, what are some of the things you're seeing coming coming down that in this new edition? Potentially, obviously,
0: I've seen every single clause touched, everything, um, which tells me that. And then I had a, an inside source that is pretty reliable said that. Don't sweat it too much. This is just people really over-caffeinated. They spend a lot of time <laughs> working on this. But that at the end of the day, this will filter down and, and only select portions will be touched. So at this point, I can't tell you. Right now, it looks like they're going to rewrite everything, which is simply not possible. They're no. not going to do that. They're just they're just dreaming about it right now.
1: Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've seen that the the typical way that these things go is nothing ever gets more simple. It always gets more complex, um, which is, you know, is, is horribly un- unfortunate. I mean, it makes sense. It's so much easier to add a new rule, to add a new uh, phrase, new clause, new something rather than going back and fixing what was there, which is so funny because we're supposed to be doing root cause analysis for all these problems. and right. But uh, now nah, let's just slap on something new. Well, so uh, we fix that, too. If
0: you go to the <laughs> Oxbridge <laughs> website, oxbridge.com right oxebridge.com there's a free standard called oxbridge q1001 q001 it's mm-hmm. free download it no copyright violations whatsoever what we did is is we in a in a group a team of other people we rewrote the iso9001 standard in plain english yep so it completely complies with iso9001 and you can implement it but you don't have to hire a consultant to do it. Now, I know I'm cannibalizing my own industry, but the fact is, is that at the end of the day, there are going to be people who hire a consultant and they'll come to me or they'll come to Texas QA, right? Yep. There'll be other people who are never going to, they can't afford it. They're just, nope. they don't like consultants. They're never going to do it. So why alienate them? Let's give them a resource anyway,
1: right? Totally agree. So we throw them totally some free
0: things and I know Texas QA is doing the same thing. Yep. We offer them a free service and we, those are clients we're never going to get because they just, maybe they just don't have the money and that's Agreed. cool. I'm I agree. happy with that, right? I, I'd rather see us give away something free than charge them $5,000 to steal their money. Yeah. So you can go to Oxford.com, download this alternative standard, implement that, and you'll automatically comply <laughs> with ISO 9001. And we're actually working on version 2.0 of that, which is going to be pretty radical because, um, again, it's just rephrasing the ISO standard in plain English. But now yep. we're, we have to, our procedures here require us to justify why is that clause in there? Yeah. And if it can't be justified, it needs to get ejected. I agree. So we justify with a statement of intent yep. every single clause. Why is that there? In ISO 9001, for example, there's an entire clause on organizational knowledge. Now, no one knows why that's there. <laughs> Behind the scenes, the authors <clears throat> were concerned that you would have somebody in your company who knew everything, and then they they retired. Right. And you lost all that information. Well, the standard doesn't say that. No. Right? So now we're just, we're saying that, that this is to yep. prevent you from losing information if somebody should leave or, or some other change in the company happens, right? And that helps you understand, oh, that's why that clause is there. Yeah. Now I know why I'm doing it. <laughs> yep. The little but, things like that, you'll see with the 2.0. But right now the 1.3 version is 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 out and uh, mm-hmm. again, it's free. There's no harm, just download it and, well, and read it and see if it helps.
1: We'll make sure there's a a hyperlink below. But, yeah, that's definitely something I I, I love about, uh, about you as well is, like, I mean, we're in the same mind here. It's like, if I can make a profit and I can do some work and I can add some value to your company, great, fantastic, let's do the best we can. But there's a lot of other businesses out there that just simply cannot afford it. Or perhaps it's someone, you know, some lucky guy that got tossed the title of quality right. coordinator and he has no responsibility, no budget, no nothing. I'm sorry, no authority, all responsibility, no authority, no budget. And he needs something to do some good. And right. so, yeah, there's tons of free stuff out there. I've put probably half our QMS bootcamp uh, training online for free because, no. I hope it'll be useful to someone. I really don't, I'm not going to say I don't care if I don't find a way to make a buck off of it. Of course, we all want to make a buck, but you know, I, I just love hearing that it was useful for, for someone and they, they put it in practice. Well, we're not going to make any
0: money from the companies that can't afford it anyway. Nope. So let's nope. not rip them off. Exactly. You know, and then we can sleep at night, right? Yes. And so the companies that, that need a consultant that can pay for it, then they come to us and, yep. you know, and I know that you and I, neither one of us are unreasonable too. So
1: no. And you know, so I'll be honest with you, us. a third of the consulting work I've ever done has been cleanup for someone else. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we'll uh not gonna mention any names, but uh there's there's a couple of players out there that it's not uncommon that uh when we come in to do consultation work, we found out oh, they built your system for you three or four years yeah, ago. Yeah. Cool. I have
0: one certificate mill out there, <laughs> they they sell a fake certificate.
1: Yeah. And what happens is the company,
0: you know, pays like five hundred bucks, they get it, and then somebody you know, Lockheed Martin Boeing says that's fake, and I get a lot of work from that. Yeah, uh, and it's too bad well, that they had to burn up five hundred dollars or a thousand bucks they lost. Yeah. and they're not getting that back.
1: No, and uh what we'll run into is kind of the same problem that I think we see with the new edition of the standard is this increasing complexity. And and I'll be honest with you, I have the same issue. Is if I'm taking a look at a procedure and I don't know all of the history and context there man, it is just, it is incredibly painful to delete that line from the procedure because I don't know why it was there to begin with. And and deleting something is just, it's it's painful to do. Um, But that's what we've seen a lot of times of these uh, consultation projects, is there may be 300 pages of documentation for a company with 20 employees. I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, your business ain't that complicated. Um, We don't really need all this. And they recognize that they don't need it all, but they have no clue where to start deleting. And so that, that's kind of where we, we come in a lot of times, but it's it's a lot of the same issues we have with the standard. Is it just folks don't like to say, let's make it simpler. Let's add all these contingencies in here. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head earlier is that uh, ISO 9001 standard is not meant to do everything. It is meant to be a generic management system standard, but, we really shouldn't have so much emphasis on interested parties because we might have uh, safety requirements, and environmental requirements, and, and local ordinances that they have to meet. And it's like, well, then they just need to go get compliance 14 or 45,001 instead because they cover that.
0: I, yeah, I think that that's a, probably another conversation. That clause was a good idea that went sideways fast. Yes. The idea of before you implement ISO, you should understand who you're serving mm-hmm. and what do they care about. Yeah. So for example, I just gave some training on this and I said, if if you're selling uh, paint Mm -hmm. and you don't understand that your customers are not dentists, you you need to understand who your customers are, right? What they care about. I get that. And there's a way that they could have phrased that with like two or three sentences instead of an entire set of clauses. I think it's important. I thought thought that was a good addition, but then they worded it, it. It is actually literally impossible to understand.
1: No, I completely agree with you there, because in the 2008 edition of the standard, you know, the uh, requirement for legal requirements was in clause one, which isn't auditable. So it's like, why even put it there if it's not auditable?
0: Right. And so, you know, I kind of get mixed feelings about that. I don't want auditors being pretending to be lawyers,
1: but you are required
0: to comply with the law. So, yeah,
1: I don't know what. Well, that's and that's like, something we have a fun time with when we do fourteen and forty five thousand one. Is like, okay, well, you need to meet your your legal requirements. Cool. Who determines whats is and isn't isn't legally applicable to each company? So ultimately, the auditor just kind of has to take their and take it on a on faith that yeah, you did a good legal assessment.
0: It is a very difficult thing for those two standards because yeah. a given company can have legal requirements from the federal level, the government level. Uh, state and county and city. Yeah, you have to know all of those, and sometimes yep. those r- requirements can contra- can conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and no consultant is going to be able to resolve that. Nah. So the only thing a consultant can do with those standards is you do your best first pass, and you provide the tools for the company to identify legal resources, et cetera, or legal requirements. Um, and everybody just sort of. Holds their nose and issues certificates, right? <laughs> but when you th- when you read the literal language of the standard, you're not supposed to. It's it's almost impossible to fully comply with those standards.
1: I I agree there as well. <clears throat> now, when the new ISO 9001 comes out, and whether it happens in 2025 or not, I'm certain they're going to come no, up no, with no. something new because there's been just far too much talk about it. And they've they've gone long. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they've never gone this long between Redition. it revisions of the standard have they no, have they ever had they a 10-year gap are we in a 10-year gap i guess we're, 2015 uh, to 2025 that'll be i think that'll be the biggest gap yet
0: yeah you might be right i hadn't thought about that it seems like yesterday to me i know <laughs> i know <laughs> but i'm aging faster than you are
1: <laughs> and uh so i mean it kind of makes sense that they're going to come out with something new but again for folks listening that maybe don't know how the transition works like you know what's that mean for folks going forward when the 2025 comes around? How do you, how do you go from, Hey, I'm certified 2015. to I'm certified 2025.
0: Well, history tells us that there will always be a three year implementation period. So even if they do hit it in 2025, and again, we don't know that I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. but it it's just looks like that. You would still have till 2028
1: to, right,
0: to implement it and get certified to it and get audited to it. Um, so you, there'll be a three-year gap there, no matter what.
1: Yeah, so it's it's not this overnight process, but no. What are, what are some of uh, I guess for you the most troubling uh, updates that you've seen coming with the new edition of the standard? Now again, again it's all sure. speculative. We're not sure what anything is. Yeah, I, I but... think
0: that my concern now is the the trouble with what we have now that's not getting fixed. Mm-hmm. One of those clauses is that clause four. That context of the organization is so poorly written. The clauses yeah. are literally out of sequence. Yep. They're in the wrong order. Yes. Um, the clause on risk is terrible. Yep. The lack of a pre- preventive action clause is criminal. I agree. I, I've said this before that the new standard really just says you can just put out fires after they've already happened. Don't worry about stopping them beforehand, which is <laughs> which is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, they point you to risk and say, "Well, that sort of covers preventive, but it really doesn't." No. So I'd it, rather see them fix what's broken rather than yep. adding new stuff
1: i would uh i would agree there they they talk about them with the uh that a4 that annex to it a4 they they basically say that risk-based thinking is supposed to be preventative action i'm like why not just say preventative actions
0: well i had a very interesting conversation just last week with somebody who is very knowledgeable i can't mention any names people know who they are um and I can't even tell you the details of the conversation because it would just, it would just blow up the industry. But the, the fact is, is that someone got in at the last minute and injected text into the standard after it had already be written. And it was done as a marketing framing kind of thing. Uh, so the, the introduction in the annex had already been written by someone else and somebody else stepped in, erased that. And replaced it with this text about risk-based thinking and all these sort of things. Hmm. And it was not done with the best of intentions. I'll just leave it Interesting.
1: at that. and so if you're confused stuff. by the
0: annex and the introduction, there's a reason. There was one person behind that.
1: That makes a lot of sense because it is. You read, you read that A4 annex, you go back to the clause and you're like, I don't think they're on the same wavelength here. Now they're written at different times. The yeah. text
0: had already been finished, and somebody just threw it in, and, and uh,
1: to, is sort
0: of a justification thing of why. W- what really happened is they ran out of time. They couldn't. Yep. They couldn't finish the standard. They they wrote to ISO and said, "Can you give us an extension?" They said no, and so then they wrote this, this uh, surrounding, this book-ended matter to try <laughs> to justify what was in the middle. I don't think it worked, but a no. lot of people believe it.
1: I agree. They read so it, they think it's real. Obviously, context of the organization. I agree with you. It it's out of sync. It's out of order. You read through it, and I'm like. I'm not real sure what I'm supposed to do here. I think at the end, it, it's pretty simple. It's like you said, what do you do? Who do you do it for? Where are you? Does your business actually make sense that you could be profitable and, and functional? Um, but context of organization, risk-based thinking's funky. Documented information is too vague. <clears throat> the non-conformance corrective action clauses really don't directly cover non-conformance and corrective actions very well. What else are some of the other problems that you think would be beneficial to be fixed?
0: There's a weird clause. If you, you have to go back and read 8.2, which is, um, uh, what do they call it? The requirements, uh, uh, understanding requirements, mm-hmm. what it's called? but it's, it's the contract review clause, right? Yes. Um, the, they've taken the position that you're supposed to determine requirements before you actually offer a product to the customer. Yes. It's a bizarre thing. So if you're a company like most companies that you take an order from a customer, you review the, the order. Uh And then you decide whether you're going to accept it or not. That's not what the standard says. The standard's telling you, you need to review your requirements before you offer products to the customer. It's a bizarre wording. Everybody just ignores it or they just don't interpret it that way. (laughs) Most companies, they get a request for quote. They review that. They provide a quote Mm -hmm. or they say no. Then they get a PO and then they review the PO and then they agree to it or not. That's how it works. But the way the standard says is that before you even offer anything to the market, you're supposed to review mm-hmm. your requirements. But the reality is, is that I may just say, I make metal parts. Right. And then the individual <laughs> company comes to me. The customer says, oh, well, I want you to make me a birdhouse. And another guy says, I want you to make me a rocket. And another guy says, I want you to make me a toilet. And I'm going to decide, okay, which one of those do I make? That's not the way the standard's written. So no. that needs to be fixed. Yeah. And the design clause, you spoke about agile. I think what they did was an attempt to make agile. They took a waterfall, traditional waterfall model,
1: mm-hmm, and
0: mm-hmm. under the clause on uh, design controls, they just shuffled them. Yes. yes. And then they said, now it's agile. You can do right. anything you want in any sequence. You can yeah. do validation before verification. You can do reviews at the end. You can do, uh, I don't know, like a, a CDR mm-hmm. after the PDI. I don't know. It makes no sense whatsoever. No. And whereas the old standard, the 2008 version, was really easy, super it was. easy to understand. You just yeah. didn't think that everything was a nice in sequence. You didn't have to do it in that sequence. Right. But it presented itself in a sequence. Yep. The new one actually has you doing, I think, reviews of outputs before the clause on creating right. the design
1: outputs. Yeah.
0: It makes no sense. Yeah. And so the average reader is confused. Yep. So they need to yep. fix these things.
1: No, I, I agree. The best way I found around that issue with design is we just created a simple uh, Excel spreadsheet. And I've got this again for free on the website for anyone who wants to go look at it. We've got um, a design um, uh, basically summary sheet because <clears throat> I recognize engineers, creative folks are going to do things in all sorts of weird, funky right. manners, right? Let them let them have some freedom there. But if we can't at the end, or at least as we go through it, these uh, whatever predefined reviews we have, which you got to have some predefined reviews or you're, you know, you ain't doing nothing worthwhile, but just fill out the sheet. And then at the end, your future self will thank you in two years when you need to go back and redesign one of those specifications or one of those drawings. Oh, yeah. These are all the drawings that we output as a result of this project. OK, cool. There we go. I've got a little one pager that tells me, hey, we uh, finally validated it. Maybe the 10th attempt, but we finally validated it here in uh, in May. And this was the test we used. And there's the work instruction they used to do the validation. Cool. I got everything I need. But yeah, you can't go to the standard to tell you what to do when.
0: No, and it's unfortunate because you can satisfy that, st- that that clause with very simple solutions like that. But you'd mm-hmm. never know it if you read the standard. No. Nah. No. Which is intentional. They want you to have to hire a consultant (laughs) because the people writing it are all consultants.
1: Well, that's what I was gonna take. You you
0: know, I don't need that business, you know. Yeah. I mean I I wish the standard was easy and then I would just get the people who really were totally confused and didn't understand it. Right. But um to try to build in this 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 business for yourself by let's make it as confusing as we can because then we'll sell books later. Yeah, Uh, that's a shady.
1: No, I, I completely, completely agree there. Well, anything else in regard to the changes to the standard you want to address before we wrap up here?
0: Uh, don't. <laughs> Please, <laughs> ISO, don't. Or if you're going to change it, make it better. Yeah. Put me on the committee already and let's stop this this nonsense of me being banned.
1: Well, and I think that there's just too many people involved. I mean, like, and I didn't get very deep into it because I very quickly realized how teeny tiny of a fish I am and the countless documents they sent for review. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, why on earth are y'all asking me to look at this document?
0: I ain't got no of the, the text this. is literally written by maybe three people. There's one guy who writes the annex LSL SL text, right out of the Netherlands. And then there's a handful of people who write the text for the actual standard. One of them is in the United States, one or two of them, and a couple of them elsewhere else. Uh, the rest of it's all theater. All yeah. of that sh- sharing of documents and sending and spreadsheets and everything—it's all just theater. It's just to make it look like, oh, look, we we did all this stuff. But at the end of the day, one guy wrote something. Yep. And it just it got gets in the standard. and That's it. Well, and that and we was the to get point. to that My person. Is
1: like. Well, if I have something I want to submit as revision, how do I go about doing it? And I'm sure I could have dug deeper and asked a lot more people, but it wasn't really obvious that I truly had a say in getting something for everyone else to read and review. And it's like, this is just it, it's just it's sad. It's really sad that uh, that it operates this way. But,
0: well, I was on TC 176 as well, and I had to step down for the same reason. Yeah. I got yelled at.
1: at <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that was <fun. laughs> Well, the uh, I guess probably something I want to finish on is I know that you have your uh, comic strip series, which I think is probably something that most folks wouldn't consider coming from geeky quality guys. Um, But so I just love seeing the stuff on LinkedIn. I think they're funny. Um, So tell me a little bit about, you know, your your comic strips. I know you're wanting to maybe do some stuff to live stream some of the details of it. So kind of in a lighthearted note, tell me about this comic strip, how you got started and how do you. Go from being a quality with SpaceX to comics.
0: <laughs> so I actually worked in the comic industry for a very brief time in the 90s. Okay. And got paid. So I was professional for a very short period of time. And um, it just didn't, there, there's no money there. And it couldn't, it couldn't pay the bills. And yeah. I had a kid and everything. It just couldn't pay it. So so I, I could never make that jump to do that professionally. But that part of me was always in, in the back of my head. Yeah. But I was a writer, not an artist and I had this idea to do a comic strip on ISO and just sort of purge all my frustrations in, in this, <laughs> in the comic strip, but I'm not really an artist. And then, uh, so it took me years to, to, to really develop the character and everything and, and draw it down. And, and, uh, and then eventually it just, it just fell in, all the pieces fell together. If you look at the comic strip, which is again, free at oxbridge.com, you can just mm-hmm. you know, read them. There's, there's hundreds of them at this point. Um, uh, but you know, the art is, limited because I'm not an artist, I'm a writer, uh, but it really goes into, you know, a lot of all the frustrations and and so much of it is real. And the thing, and mm-hmm. I've always put in the bottom, it says, this yes. really happened. Yes. So I'll do a comic strip with some outlandish thing with this auditor who is, is this very abusive, uh, you know, anti-social kind of auditor, <laughs> you know, always harassing his clients. Yeah. And then, you know, it'll end, this really happened. And when I say that, I mean, it really did happen. It really did. And some of the yeah. things are, are outlandish.
1: Um, I've read a couple of them. I'm like, I think I actually know where this might have happened, but uh, you know, I can't say <laughs> yeah, anything beyond that. Yeah, the, uh, the barbecue one. So I recently. mean, uh, it's
0: just it's just a fun aside. The only thing is that sometimes I swear because it is frustrating. So you know, <laughs> there's a profanity warning on the strip. There's there's no nudity <laughs> or anything like that. But uh,
1: yeah, but no, it's
0: profanity filters.
1: It's funny and it's sad but true. But yeah, these uh, these things really do do happen. And I've I've been involved in a uh, in a couple of them before on on the receiving end of it. And I'm like. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, it's definitely fun for anyone in the uh, quality or management type positions. Like, check it out. It's a good little chuckle. It's a good laugh. It's fun. But, uh, man, Chris, I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on here. Really enjoyed working with you. Looking forward to doing some more uh, work together here in the future. And uh, we need you to keep fighting the fight for us here with the uh, these standards. So keep it up, man.
0: Great. Thanks a lot. And keep up the awesome. show. It's doing great. Awesome. Take care. Take care of
1: Well, that is it for today's episode. So really super excited to have Chris on here. And while we are, I guess, direct competition, we've done a number of projects together, really try to work together to collaborate. And, you know, this is something that we keep running into in different topics on this podcast is the amount that we really need to try to work together better, collaborate with one another, that there's so much more good that can be done. And and that's really what I love most about this quality, quality management world is there's just an absolute depth of good that can be done and and we really love working with the small business clients we have too so Be sure, if you want to support our podcast, what we're doing, make sure you subscribe, like, and share it. Be sure to leave us a review, especially iTunes. We really, really appreciate those iTunes reviews. We're trying to crank this higher and higher up the charts, but we cannot do that without your subscription, your feedback, likes, and shares. If you have any questions about quality, quality management, don't hesitate to reach out to us. I'm going to make sure we've got tons of links in the show notes for uh, everything we got from Chris Paris. So with that, you guys have a great day.